0: You know, building something of quality and worth takes time, but that time is worth it because you can't build rich relationships. You can't build things that last overnight.
1: From Go Collective, this is Responsibly Different, sharing stories of certified B corporations and our journey of joining them in leveraging business as a force for good. I'm Ben Marine, and in this episode, I hopped on the phone with the founder and CEO of B-Corp certified Mir, Brian Pape. Mir is the exclusive global provider of drinkware for Patagonia and has donated over $1.5 million to projects that center around clean water and supporting communities. Every time you purchase a product from or buy Mir, whether it's a water bottle, coffee filter or from their beer and wine collections, it comes with a give code that you can enter on their site to see where the money from your purchase goes to make a difference in the world. Super cool. Not only are they doing incredible work to give back, their products are durable, functional, and design-forward. In this interview, founder Brian Pape shares with us how a near-death experience, his entrepreneurial spirit, and a giving community birthed one of our favorite brands. where did the name Mir come from? Is that a John Muir reference or how did that come to be?
0: Yeah. The name Mir is completely made up. Um, so it's, it's kind of twofold. Um, so, you know, I wanted something unique that was different in the marketplace, uh, obviously for, for differentiation, but then also for trademarks, uh, globally, you know, the more unique it is, the easier it is to kind of protect that, that brand name. And so, uh, it was yeah, it was kind of twofold. So John Muir, M U I R, is kind of known as the godfather or the the grandfather of the national park system. Uh, it was kind of a land conservationist uh, back in the day, and so it's it's a bit of a tip of the cap to the outdoors uh, as we do sell in the outdoor space. Uh, and then Muir, Mir, M I R, in Eastern European languages means world, peace, or good. And so I thought that was super interesting. And so so we're kind of playing around with it, and then we put up two eyes, um, which makes it completely its uh, own unique name and the eyes are very symbolic in our, in our company, you know? So it's one person helping another. Uh, there's a lot of duality, you know, world and peace. Um, you know, there's, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I mean, there's two eyes, there's like water drops and we're, we're all about design and generosity. So there's this, there's this constant duality uh, throughout our brand and and is, is somewhat represented in our logo. So it's, and mirror.com was available in, in 2009 when I started working on the brand. So <laughs> that was a bonus.
1: That's awesome. That's great. And I know that early on back when you were making some of those ski films and stuff, that was part of the uh, you talked about in a TED talk, that that was part of the inspiration for kind of starting Mir and, and working to do to do good. And how have you taken that experience, that ski accident experience and kind of kept it front and center and able to po- push both you and the company forward?
0: Yeah, yeah, great question. I um, yeah. So in two thousand six, when I was um, I was filming for a local mountain in, in Seattle, um, I was making a, a film for them, and ended up taking a wrong turn, uh, hit a tree, unfortunately, and and uh, snapped my femur right in half. And uh, my my roommate at the time had broken his femur about two years earlier, and uh, in a ski accident, and and he went to the hospital lived through it, but he came home from that accident and said, never break your femur because if you hit your femoral artery, you can bleed to death in about 10 minutes. And so here I am two years later thinking, oh no, like I just broke my, I know my femur is broken. I mean, my leg was like off to the right. I could feel that it wasn't connected. It was very, very weird. And and I remembered, oh, if I hit my artery, like I will I will be dead in 10 minutes uh, from internal bleeding. And so I kind of had this very kind of surreal, calm moment, um, you know, sitting against this tree as you know, uh, the marketing manager was calling in ski patrol and uh, preparing for a medevac. And you know, the first at that time in 2006, I was very self-focused. It was about me. Uh, my my kind of mindset was how could I make money for myself? Uh, very in, internal focused. And even to the standpoint of like I'd been dating my girlfriend for three years, and uh, the first thing I thought about was you know there's this incredible woman I'm dating. I should probably marry her. Uh, so, you know, that's, that just kind of points to how selfish I was. It took me like breaking my leg to kind of have that like moment of clarity to realize I should probably, you know, date, uh, move from dating to marrying her. So we ended up getting married a year later. Uh, we've been married for 13 years and we, uh, she actually works at Mir as well. So she, we, we kind of, uh, we work day in and day out together and, uh, it's, it's a blast. We have two kids. Um, and then the second thing that I thought about against that tree was, again, very self-focused of what would people say about me at my funeral? And, you know, very vain, right? A very vain thing to think about. And I realized that nobody would have gotten up at my funeral and said anything positive about me or me helping people around me in my community, my neighborhood. Uh, you know, I was a funny guy. I was a jokester. Uh, you know, I was in the, in the business and sports. And so it, it was it's kind of a wake-up call for me. And so fast forward a couple of years. um, I had a successful um, exit of another company I was involved in. We were selling hand warmers at the time. They activated hand warmers that you buy at like Costco or REI. So I took that experience in, in small business and said, okay, now's my opportunity to to look for a, a new category that I want to get into. I was in the outdoor market and I saw stainless steel bottles. There was just a lot of kind of uninspiring designs out there. And so in 2010 uh, or 2009 really is when I started working on it. In 2010, launched launched Mir and. Uh, you know, for me, uh, because I had that life or death accident, that, that kind of that that kiss of death almost where you realize that like how short life could be and you know that nothing is guaranteed. You know, the next day isn't guaranteed. The next minute isn't guaranteed. And so really like holding things loosely, um, but also being very driven because, I don't, you know, I don't know how much time I have on this on this planet. So I'm going to make the most of it. Right. So I think I have a different mindset than a lot of people when it comes to, um, you know, growing a company and, and, you know, um, just, just waking up with appreciation and gratitude every day. Um, or at least I try to, it doesn't happen every day, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting perspective to have.
1: That's awesome. I think one of the coolest things about Mir and the things that you do, and I think what I'm personally most excited about too, about the product and kind of what you've accomplished is this concept of trackable giving and, that every bottle or container has a give code in which you can track where the money from your purchase goes. I just think it's, I think it's brilliant. And I imagine it was really hard to execute and kind of come up with. I'm curious, where did the inspiration for the idea come from and what did the process look like to bring it to life?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, great, great question. And it's one of my favorite things too. And uh it it like now, 10 years after it, it feels like such an obvious, like of course we would do this, right? And at the time in 2010, you know, social enterprise wasn't really a thing in 2010, you know, like like doing business for good, you know, it was, you know, Patagonia was obviously up and coming and they were a big company, you know, but it it wasn't certainly kind of this this not the status quo, but as well accepted in the consumer market. You know, people weren't thinking about this sort of thing in 2010. And so um, you know, just just knowing that every single transaction. Had impact was really exciting. You know, it was very motivating. So, when you have hard days and you realize that every single, you know, every single, you know, cup that you sell, every single, you know, every single bottle that you sell um, is going to have an impact is really cool. And it's actually, you know, it's, I'd love to say it was my idea, but it was, it was my wife and I going to Liberia, Africa. We worked on a couple of clean water projects with some local partners there. And we came back from that trip and I showed one of my friends who was one of our first customers, I showed him uh, photos from this trip and he was he kind of connected the dots and and pat said hey so the bottle that i bought helped fund this clean water project he's like that is so cool like nobody's ever you know kind of connected those dots and that's when a huge light bulb went off and i was like oh my gosh we have to connect the dots to our customers you know we got to like show them that like this purchase does this thing right um and so that was kind of the beginning of it so 2011 we started working on this idea we We originally started off with bracelets, you know, so if if anyone's been around with the brand for, you know, nine, 10 years, you remember the bracelets that had unique codes on it. Um, They're quite expensive. And so we had to find a a less expensive solution because, you know, people were like either throwing them away on accident or didn't know about it. And so um, we ended up switching to stickers, which again, you know, because we're like, oh, people put a sticker on their car or their notebook. It'll be really cool. Um, But a lot of people were just like throwing the stickers away because they didn't realize, you know, there's a code on there. And so. Uh, we ended up moving to basically laser etching um, the code basically onto the bottom of every bottle uh, so it's permanent um, so it's actually on the bottom of every single product there's a code on the bottom of it and you can go onto our website mere.com give and you can register your code and you can see all of the giving projects that we have you can you can see dollars granted you can see information about the nonprofit, uh, what project we're working on with them uh, photos videos Couple of them have VR experiences, you know, where we send a VR camera with a nonprofit partner to kind of get that, you know, firsthand experience of somebody at a well. um So there's a lot of work to do there, but that was kind of the idea, and it's it's been it's um our super fans are really into it, which is cool.
1: That's great. How, I'm curious, how do you find those projects that you, the, that you're funding around the world?
0: Yeah, you know, it's <clears throat> some of it's been a bit organic. um You know, the first the first clean water, it's all, it's almost like like minded people sometimes find them find. You, know, you cross paths, um, just kind of happenstance or, you know, serendipitously. And the first clean water project that we worked on, um, you know, we, we did some funding early on in 2010 with Charity Water. And I actually reached out to them and I said, Hey, I'd love to go on a trip. I'd really love to experience uh, what it's like for people to not have clean drinking water. I felt like that was really important. If we're going to talk about funding clean water projects, it felt like I couldn't just, talk about it without actually meeting anybody who had not experienced clean clean drinking water in their communities. And so they actually said, oh, we don't do, we don't do clean water, you know, we don't do donor trips. And um, I thought, oh, that's too bad. I, you know, I, it, it kind of just like shrugged it off. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And during a photo shoot, like probably a month into the brand, um, this gal who was one of the models, we were doing this kind of wa- funny water beard series. If you Google like mere water beards, You'll see these really funny photos, this ad campaign that we did about, you know, wide mouth bottles like Nalgene you get water all over your face. And uh, when you're trying to drink, you know, like drink water in the car and, and the whole thing. And so anyway, we, we photographed this gal and she goes, hey, you know, I'm not really into networking, but my brother in law, he builds wells in Liberia and he's been working there for like 30 years. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to meet him. So I meet this guy, Daryl. He had been working, his grandparents um, had been working over in Liberia for like, uh, like I said, 30 plus years. And he had started a nonprofit with some of the local locals there to help build clean water systems. And so he was like, Hey, I'm going there in February of 2011. If you want to go, let me know. And so I thought, "Wow, yeah, we'd love to go. So by that time we had sold enough product to fund two clean water projects. So we flew over to Liberia and that's, that that was like the, you know, the first clean water project experience. And then from there it's, you know, word starts to get out that in Seattle, it's a very philanthropic community. Um, So we've been, we've been connected to many, many great nonprofits. Um, just kind of through social media, people reaching out to us, friends of friends. And then now, um, as the brand's grown, we definitely get a lot of requests. And so we have to filter those requests. and we, our framework is kind of clean water, and that that extends to you know clean water systems like clean rivers, clean clean water streams, um and then strong communities, you know because we're we want to be able to in- invest in our local communities as well. So clean water is not an issue in Seattle. Um, but there's certainly a lot of issues that we want to invest in here locally in Seattle so whether that's urban artworks uh, which helps with after school or, or you know previously after school programs uh, by getting kids into art and and partnering with like graffiti artists and doing really really cool murals across the city um, all the way to you know getting kids onto bicycles and so uh, the, the the strokes of grant making have been become a little more broad and then obviously with the investment in the environment. Um, we've made some moves there. And then more recently, you know, with um, with the Black Lives Matter movement, we've, we've made some investments into a couple nonprofits. One of them, which is super rad, Black Girl Ventures. Uh, so we're actually supporting them, um, uh, a grant to their, to their community to help with, uh, basically women, black and brown women uh, entrepreneurs to help fund startups. So I'm, I'm very passionate about entrepreneurs and startups. And so it felt like a, a great match for us.
1: That's awesome. You guys, I think, are also working on, and I just thought this was the coolest thing, uh, I think it's a year of rest mm-hmm. for activists of color that that have been, like, in the work, like, to have, like, yeah. some respite, which, um, as somebody who's previously done a lot of political ag- activism work, I know,
0: like, it's, it's so
1: important. I'm curious, do you have a favorite project so far that you've worked on, or?
0: Gosh, that's a, you know... More recently, I think the I think the Black Girl Ventures one is is really near and dear to my heart, um, primarily because I just I absolutely believe in in business and market economies, and especially small businesses. Small and medium sized businesses are kind of the heartbeat of America, and and it's really a way for entrepreneurs to realize, um, you know, the American dream is different for every person, but the the idea of being able to start something. And grow something um, is certainly unique in in this country. And to be able to provide uh, uh, some funds, to be able to empower people to to start their own businesses, uh, potentially coach and mentor where where fit, uh, I just think is is really really. Uh, I just feel fortunate to be able to do that and to to share from my experiences. Um, you know, maybe there's some things to glean there as far as you know whether it's best practices on hiring or growing or. You know, software or certainly the mistakes I've made along the way. So others don't make those mistakes. But um, you know, that's, that's a great one. I, you know, I'll always hold Liberia near and dear to my heart because uh, that was one of our first clean water projects. Um, you know, I was in Myanmar a few years ago. And I think, you know, the, the, the connective tissue between all of our giving projects is uh, for the most part, it's, it usually involves people, right? Because even if it's an environmental Nonprofit, there's still people that run that nonprofit, or there's people on the ground, you know, Women's Wilderness in Colorado, uh, you know, who are getting marginalized communities out to the outdoors, uh, helping them, uh, you know, experience things that typically have just been hard to access, or just, you know, you don't, you only typically go into things that like you see other people like yourselves do. Um, and so, how do we get other people out into the world or starting businesses? Um, you know, if, if all the media talks about is just like, you know, white San Francisco bros starting companies, it's harder for other people to imagine themselves starting their own companies, right? And so, um, I, you know, I think the connective tissue is is the people and worldwide by far, you know, from Myanmar to Seattle to Liberia, meeting these people who are, you know, just so grateful um, and, and filled with joy and, and excited to be alive, even, even if they're on a dollar or $2 a day, uh and what might seem bleak to us uh they're full of they're full of life and passion to to help out their community and i think that's so inspiring to take that you know back to our own communities you know i think a lot of people idolize the us and and the opportunity and and there's certainly opportunity here and yet i think the community of some other countries is is just far beyond uh we we've lost a little bit of that ability to help our neighbor um you know in, in Myanmar specifically you know, the devastation from um, Cyclone Nargis was incredible. And you have these families where, or these villages where, you know, it was a population of like maybe 500 people and the cyclone literally took out half the population. So now you have a community that has 250 people um, and then families are re- being rebuilt, you know? So someone's, you know, mom or dad may have been swept to sea, um, you know, and, and they're finding, you know, kind of another family and they're, they're kind of partnering up and creating these, you know, kind of blended unique families uh, and making a go out of it. So, so things like that are are certainly inspiring where, you know, you're having a rough day and it's like a good perspective is always nice.
1: (laughs) That's super real. I'm curious with the, some of the bit on the kind of looking at the business side of it, how did B Corp enter the picture? Like what was it something you kind of always knew about or, or how did that come onto your radar?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I, you know, it's funny is I, I never, um, i i put off b corp for a while uh so 2012 i think we started going to trade shows and this guy andy who worked there you know he come by our booth oh you got you your company would be perfect for b corp you should totally apply for this and at that time we were already doing the b corp thing we're very transparent i was like "Uh, i mean maybe but like we're already like we already tell our customers how much we give we're already very transparent you know we're doing a lot of this stuff like we're good i don't you know i don't need to pay for certification I'm um, trying to save every dollar I can to grow the business. So I was kind of like, I don't know, man. He just kept like wearing me down. Like every trade show we go to, Andy was there, like pitching me B Corp. <laughs> He's like, "You're the perfect company for this." And so finally, I was like, "All right, all right, we'll do it." You know. And so we fill out the assessment. I still remember the assessment is r- really long. Like it's it's not easy. You know. Hats off to everybody that gets through the B Corp assessment because it is in depth and it gets harder and harder every other year. And so we, I'm about to finish it. And when you're running a company and you have like no employees or two employees, it's you're doing everything. And so it just kind of got put on the back burner. And then Andy calls me up and he's like, Hey man, you got to finish it within like the next two weeks or you got to start all over again. And I was like, no, I don't want to start all over again. So anyway, jam through the B Corp assessment. Uh, we get certified and right about the same time that we got certified, uh, Patagonia emailed us and said, Hey, we'd love to partner with you. And so it was kind of like a really serendipitous timing because, you know, Patagonia was a B corp they were really passionate about any sort of outside vendors were also being B Corps as well. So uh, it, it was, you know, call it luck, call it fate. Uh, the timing was was uh, was fantastic.
1: So is that how B, is that uh, how Patagonia found you was through your B Corp certification?
0: No, they actually they didn't know we were B Corp. And that was one of the things they're like, so you know, we kind of need you to be a B Corp for us to work together. And we're like, Oh, we just got approved. And they were like, great. Um, So they actually found us through just online, they were looking around for a drinkware partner, they had one at the time um, that was doing, you know, I guess, I think, okay, we just had a different approach to design and philanthropy that was attractive to them, you know, and so it started off in 2013. And, You know, here we are, seven years later, and we're the we're the exclusive global provider for drinkware for Patagonia. Um, Which even saying that is like, I mean, it's such an honor to work with them. I kind of, um, I love that brand growing up as a kid. You know, in the outdoor space, it was the nicest gear. Uh, You know, Yvonne is certainly an icon in the outdoor industry, and so just the just like his mindset about business was super interesting and counterintuitive and and amazing. And so you know, it was always one of those things where like I wanted to work with them. And again, I just, I'm like-minded people somehow find a way to, to partner. And so yeah, we got super lucky, you know, they emailed us at the right time. And, and, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been able to interact with Yvonne a handful of times. We actually, uh, were asked to design a camping stove pot for them. Um, you know, it's supposed to launch this year. We, we showed it at outdoor retailer in January and with COVID, some plans changed. So that product will be coming out, um, for market in 2021, but you can see it online. and. Uh, yeah, we, we were essentially asked by Patagonia by their kind of advanced uh, materials team to, to develop a, a, a pot for their cooking stove that Yvonne Chouinard had had, um, had worked on so it, it was a, it was a big honor to be able to sit down interact with Yvonne on a product design and um, he doesn't drink coffee but um, I showed him our Porigami, which is our um, which is our coffee dripper portable flat pack dripper and it's, it's great for backpacking travel and whatnot and I showed it to him and he was kind of like wow this this is actually, he's like, I don't drink coffee, but this is, this is a really cool product. Like, great. You know, it's like just kudos from, from Yvonne felt, felt pretty good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have any favorite moments with Yvonne?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I'll never forget. We were, I was in his office and we were we had just gotten back. I was with some other people from Patagonia out in DC. Uh, we were with the outdoor industry association doing some lobbying work, but um, I'd never really been exposed to lobbying or, uh, and essentially what lobbying is at the most basic form is you go to D.C. and you meet with your congressmen and women and you, you tell them what you're passionate about and why the outdoors matter and why the environment matters. And um, so that it was a cool experience to, to have. Uh, and you're with your competitors, too. You know, I was there with with Scott, the CEO of Hydro Flask, and, uh, you know, the, the gal that was running Stanley PMI at the time. So it's kind of cool because you're with your competitors and you're standing for something that's bigger than yourself. And uh, I was there with some of the Patagonia folks and um so you went there and you, you know you I specifically remember and I'm totally blanking on his name the really really tall guy who was the uh, you know Ryan Zinke um you know big gregarious guy tall you know uh well dressed and we had this breakfast and he spoke at it and you know he was talking about how you know the outdoors mattered and he was from Montana and you're like oh okay yeah we're gonna get somewhere with this guy you know Trump appointed him we were, we were a little nervous and. I had never, this is the first time I was exposed in person to such blatant lies where you say one thing in a, in a breakfast and you literally go out the next day and address the press and basically unlock land for oil and gas in bear's ears. I mean, literally like within hour, you know, within like days. Right. And so I don't know. It was, it was one of those things where I just felt tricked and conned. And I was like, well, I was so gullible to think that this guy Meant what he said, you know. I, I grew up in a family where your word was your bond, and then to go to DC and experience something completely different, uh, was just fascinating. And so then, anyway, all that to say, when I was in Yvonne's office uh, months later, I was just talking about that experience, and he just, he just, he was like, "Those people back there, they're just a bunch of fossils." And I, and I just I don't I don't know I'll never forget that just calling it like it was a bunch of fossils.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I'm curious that process of actually certifying and going through the assessment did you find that there were little nuggets in there that have helped the business that maybe you didn't anticipate kind of helping in that way?
0: Yeah, I think that was Um, yeah, that was probably one of the biggest surprises to me because I, I, you know, I knew about the assessment and the assessment has gotten much more stringent and strict and there's a lot better questions and, um, pieces in there and, and, um, and, and kind of a trail of how to get better as a company. You know, I think, I think I thought it was just like, oh, they evaluate what you do and it's like, you're good to go, you know, and now, and now, and I mean, it was then, you know, back in 2013, but even more so now it's, it's a bit of, Hey, here's where you're at. And then here's like a new standard or a better way to do it or, or a different way to think about whether it's your supply chain, your hire, excuse me, your hiring practices, um, things that you may not have even considered before. Um, so there's I'm trying to think of some specific examples of, you know, maybe how, you know, when you're and some of them, you, you just can't answer. Right. So when we first certified, we were like a sub sub tenant in a building. And so for us to calculate our energy usage in our office or warehouse was like impossible. You know, so we actually had no idea what our CO2 emissions were. We just, we didn't know. And there was no way to find out, you know, and so some of those things you just have to skip. And so now, you know, we're actually to kind of like able to dial into um, some of those things, you know, some of the intentional decisions, like our, our flagship store in Seattle um, is actually lead Platinum certified. Um, you know, the, the building collects rainwater. It uses the gray water uh, in the bathrooms for toilets, um, not for showers. You know, that stuff is is, is clean water. Um But, you know, things like that, you know, we made intentional decisions of, you know, we're going to, we're going to choose to have, um, you know, some of our places in in really green spaces.
1: That's really cool. Are there, in terms of actually getting certified from that moment that you said, okay, fine, like I'm going to do it to actually certifying, how, how long did that process take?
0: I think it was six months or so of like actually filling out the application um, and getting everything kind of dialed in and, um, you know, cause you're uploading you know, like pay scales and, gosh, like, you know, supply chain stuff and, and you know, units and volume. And, um, you know, now we, we have a kind of a cohort internally that helps with the assessment every time we reassess. Because the reassessment, I believe, is like every other year, every third year, um, you have to reassess. Um, and now it's, it's quite a bit of work, right? So we have, you know, we have our, our, our um, Seattle flagship. We have our, our warehouse, our DC, which is north of Seattle. And then we have, our, now we have a China office. Um, and so there's, it's just kind of layers of complexity um, that now have to be factored into the, the certification, but it's good. It's good. It's, um, it's kind of like a rising tide, right? So there's just like every year it gets harder and harder. And the goal is that the overall goal of B Corp is like, can we be, all become better at business throughout our journey so, as opposed to just like, oh, we met the mark and we're good.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I we, so we are kind of only ankle deep in our own process, and w- there's so much that we've learned. That we're like, oh my gosh, we wouldn't even have thought about that. Uh, just e- even in terms of just like good business practice, in terms of even like bo- like little bookkeeping things. You're like, oh, like that's a like just a really smart thing to do. You know, um, in addition to just doing good in the world and using business as a force for good.
0: Totally. Um,
1: totally. What. You, you mentioned that you have kind of like a cohort that helps with the B Corp recertification. I'm curious, how, how does that work? Like, especially like thinking about if there are folks like, like us or other businesses listening that are also working on certification and looking for strategies to work through it. Um, wh- what are some kind of recommendations or how does that cohort work?
0: Yeah, we um, we had our, our head of impact kind of lead the charge. Um, he has a, a master's degree in, in nonprofit management, so he has a, a pretty good understanding of how to, to um, research and, and document some of the stuff that we need. Uh, so he kind of leads the charge. But then we also have somebody from supply chain. We have somebody from marketing. We have myself, uh, operations, uh, kind of all contributing to the assessment because it, within the assessment you'll have you know, fairly complex questions about uh, you know how many like to calculate your carbon emissions. You have to know how many units, what size they are, what's the weight, where are they coming from to factor in all of that piece of it, right? So our head of impact isn't going to know that. Um, so you know, it's, it's it has to be a collaborative process at a certain point. Uh, you know, when we first certified in two thousand thirteen, I was doing most of the work. I think we had two or three employees at the time, and so uh, you know there was help from from people there, but it was you know now with you know, fifty employees around the world. You know, now we have to like factor in payroll. So now we're including like head of people into there. You know, so there's I think make collaboration at the center center of it. Um, and then you just have to stay disciplined because it's it's a I'll be frank it's a lot of work. It's it's a lot of inputs um, there. And there's things that you're like, well, I guess we could fill this out, but it's gonna take a lot a lot of time. So you have to also make business decisions where it's you know for us to calculate how much our office composts you know, maybe we can calculate that or do a better job of it. We're pretty good at it because we're in Seattle and people are used to composting, you know, so it's, some of those things where like, we might miss some points on it. Um, we know where our areas of improvement are for sure. Um, but we also have to run the company too. So
1: <laughs> for sure. That makes sense. Um, speaking of B Corps, do you have favorite B Corps that you like aspire to where you're like, Oh my gosh, yeah, we want to be here or, or just that you appreciate
0: yeah. I mean, for sure, Patagonia, you know, I think they they've always kind of been an older sibling to us. You know, we've asked some questions about how do you how do you address your electricity uses at your D.C. Or, uh, you know, how do you uh, you know, how do you what are the what are the benefits of lights that turn off automatically? Is, is the cost benefit that, you know, analysis worth it or not? So there's you know, I think Patagonia has they've been doing it for so long. Um, just thinking differently about how to run a company that, you know, hats off to them and just how they think about product and life cycle of product is really inspiring. Um, you know, Ben and Jerry's is also a, is a great, great shining example as well uh, as a B Corp. Uh, so those are two, uh, for us that are, that are certainly inspiring. Um, and, and certainly with Patagonia as being a consumer product brand, um, and, and seeing it done right is, is pretty, pretty exciting.
1: That's great. What, uh, what have been some of your favorite moments in your journey of starting launching mirror and seeing it through these past 10 years and congratulations on 10 years.
0: Thank you. Yeah. It uh, feels like just yesterday, but it also feels sometimes it feels like a really long time. We've been in business. Um, it feels like we've accomplished something. I'll, I'll be honest. I feel like at 10 years being in business and still growing and still excited, waking up every day, really, really passionate for the the journey ahead. Um, I just I don't know. I I don't know what I thought would be here in 10 years, but I'm 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 glad to be here and it's exciting. Um some of my favorite moments. Um you know, in a weird way, 2020 has been such a I have to be careful about how I say this, uh such a gift. And let me explain that and unpack that, is that you know, I certainly don't wish a pandemic on anybody from an economical standpoint of small businesses shutting down, of the actual disease and the death that's occurring. Um all that aside, I'm choosing to figure out how I can be. Uh, what am I in charge of, and what can I change and be responsible for? Because it's easy to get bad out of shape about things that you can't control. But for things that I can control, my business, how I motivate and inspire my employees, it kind of shifted my focus of it. Instead of just like grow, 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 just heads down like on it, I've kind of taken a, a step back and said, let's 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 continue to build the foundation of how we operate as a company. Let's, let's take some time to build in some leadership development with our people. I've spent a tremendous amount of time thinking about culture and how do we make Mir a place that if somebody leaves because, you know, their spouse gets a job somewhere else and they need to leave or, or they choose to find a you know, they, they top out, they, they, they want to accelerate their career and there's not a spot for them at Mir, whatever the circumstances that somebody leaves Mir, I've always aspired for Mir to be a place that people look back at fondly and, and consider themselves an alum. So that in the future, you know, if we ever had a party or or a get together, you know, celebrating some sort of event, those folks who had worked here prior would would want to come up and show up, you know, and and remember, like, oh, I was a part of, you know, the class of, you know, two thousand twelve to two thousand fifteen, and you know, these are the crazy things that happened. Um, so I think this year has been really good to to learn to reset to to be more mindful to spend time uh thinking about what's important in the business and not just always always in the minutiae i mean for sure march was like chaotic like so many hours where i've never worked harder in my life in march uh than, than i did in this march of this year um, but i think i've never stepped back and been more reflective as i have in, in in june and july of this year um so that that's it's a weird thing to say that i'm i'm certainly um I'm I'm choosing to find a way to enjoy 2020, um, as opposed to writing it off as a dumpster fire and this you know this this year that's a throwaway year. There's a lot of great things uh, and lessons to be learned in, in 2020 for sure. You know, partnering with Patagonia will always kind of be a, a bright um, memory and a moment of a turning point. You know, there's there's definitely some times in the history of Mir where early on it was, ah, do I keep going? you know do i quit we had we had one of our good family friends he was <clears throat> he was the founder of hulu and i think in 2012 or 2013 there was a, a job position that opened up in la for hulu and, and and jason was like hey i think you should apply for this position And i looked at it and it paid well and i was like oh man so, you know jason is an incredible businessman and and i uh, i really admire him and you know there, i took a hard look at it i think i even applied to a couple of interviews um you know so looking back i almost almost gave up many times. And what was around the corner after I almost gave up was just amazing. You know, Patagonia reaching out. Like not us cold calling, them reaching out to us, you know. And um, you know, twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen at a at a at a trade show blue bottle, uh, you know, day one, first ten minutes of the show, they beeline to our booth and they're like, We want to work with you all. Your designs are on point. We love your mission. We love your brand. And I you know, Blue Bottle is like when Blue Bottle's kind of up and coming and and I, and I knew who they were because I've been to California and I really, really respected the work that they were doing in the coffee space. And so some of those key moments were amazing. And then, um, you know, I think travel, traveling the world has been probably one of the greatest gifts of starting my own company um, that I certainly try not to take for granted. You know, I've been to, to dozens of countries and I get to sit down with our partners, whether it's our distributors or our customers in these countries. And. We're we're very aligned with with similar like minded people in the sense of people who are focused around community, doing good, the environment, and so we've had incredible meals uh, around the world with our with our friends. You know, Patagonia is global, so we've we've spent time in in Korea and Japan and China uh, with our Patagonia partners over there, and so you, you the meals that we've had with people and our customers are some of my favorite. Uh, traveling with team members around the world you know, and introducing people to, to certain experiences, um, uh, that I've had our favorite restaurants, you know, in and, and Hong Kong and bringing our, our sales team along and, and showing them and making and building relationships, you know, everywhere, everywhere I go, it's, it's, um, you know, it's been fun to build relationships. So I don't know, those aren't necessarily like specific things. And then, you know, being able to work with my, my wife, we always wanted to work together. And so we, you know, we have the, we have a, we have a wildlife, you know, we we're with each other 24 seven. So it's, uh, we have two kids. It's it's a beautiful chaos. Um, so th- yeah, those are some of the fun memories.
1: Any advice that you would want to impart on listeners?
0: Yeah, you know, I think for for any any business owner or entrepreneur, um, you know, just the advice, just remain. You know, if you can stay in business, um, you know, continue that that passion. Um, you know, it's certainly it's not easy. You know, but I, I I've been told many times a lot of things that aren't good or a lot of things that are good aren't easy um you know and so as tempting as this as this society is you know where it's like instant gratification you know on instagram and social media and um, all these things where we get you know amazon prime you get things in two hours in a day you know building something of quality and worth takes time but that time is worth it because you can't build rich relationships you can't build Things that last overnight, and I think that's one thing. Whether you're a consumer, a business owner, you're starting a business, you want to be a B Corp. Uh, the media, I think, tempts us with the stories of you know private equity and these massive valuations and venture capital. You know, of these of these companies out of Silicon Valley or CPG companies that get you know they're worth a billion dollars or a hundred billion dollars or whatever it is. You know, there's this temptation to grow and to be like that. And I believe there's another there's another path there's a different path and that path has been proven uh, by companies like Patagonia. Uh, Mirror to an extent, we're only 10 years old, but you know we're taking a path of of endurance, of longevity, of quality, of worth, um, of generosity. You know we've granted over 1.5 million dollars, and certainly you know 1.5 million dollars would take us to a lot of trade shows. It would uh, put more money in my pocket, but that's that's not ultimately what it's about. So. Yeah, you know, I think that long road is a worthwhile road.
1: <laughs> to learn more about Mir, you can visit their website at mir.com. That's M-I-I-R dot com. As always, we have links to their site and social accounts in the show notes, as well as some bonus material, all of which you can find at responsiblydifferent.com. Also, Mir has some really exciting stuff coming up for holiday season, so keep an eye open for that. I know I cannot believe the holidays are upon us, uh, but they will be very soon. So for fellow business owners that are listening to this and planning out some of those client holiday gifts, they do do custom orders of 30 bottles or more. We're super jazzed because we're putting together an order right now that we'll be doing for gifts for our clients. And speaking of the holidays, I know all of you listening are huge B Corp fans, and We want to remember to keep B Corp's top of mind as we're shopping this holiday season. You can head over to the B Corporation website, use their directory to find pretty much anything you would want to buy for someone there. Another super fun find that I found recently when looking for a B Corp bookstore, if you're looking to purchase books, is betterworldbooks.com. Not only can you get the books you're looking for, but your dollars also support literacy programs, which is super cool. So support businesses that are putting people and planet first and ask your friends and family to do the same. It's so important. We're all in this together. Thank you, be well, and be responsibly different. This is a production of Dear Go Collective music composed by our own Kevin Oates. You can follow us on social media at Deergo Collective or visit our corner of the internet at DeergoCollective.com.